KSA Radio with your family. My name is Ethan. I'm chatting to Gershwin Avran Matthews. He is going to be working with Solly Philander on a very interesting film and fundraising campaign. So Gershwin, let's talk a little bit about who you are and kind of introduce yourself to our audience. Okay, cool. My name is Gershwin Avran Matthews. I'm a singer-songwriter from Cape Town. I should say Makassar. It's a little town um, like off just about an hour like away from from Cape Town closest to the West. And um, I've lived for a couple of years in the States. Like I studied philosophy. So that's what my my music is very much about. Like I do music and I do videos about really, really critical kind of stuff about being human, especially in my culture and in, and in my community. And the reason why I, left, why I left for the States is because I didn't feel like I have a voice here. And I think mostly because I was a gay artist and no one really kind of paid attention to what I had to say. So I left and then I kind of, my visa kind of expired after a few years. And then I ended up being homeless on the streets because I ran away from this like recording studio in Los Angeles. I didn't want to live there anymore because just at the pressures of being a musician and you're struggling and sometimes the stuff that you have to get yourself involved to get ahead, especially in Los Angeles, it's a little dodge. And I'm not for that stuff. So I decided to go live on the street for a couple of weeks. And then I, I got caught by the police and I got deported. But before I got deported, I had to stay in a detention center for six months. Just because of, you know, having stayed in America longer than what my visa allowed me to. And I initially got married and I couldn't get married to my boyfriend because it wasn't legal to get married in America to men, men and men, woman and woman at that point in time. So I got married to a friend of mine and we've since gotten divorced. So I'm back in South Africa and I've started to work with Soli now on this specific project that has exactly to do with my sexuality and why I ran away and the kind of stuff that I hear from my family and, and the repercussions of, of that. So that's what the piece is about, yeah. Wow, it's quite a quite a hectic story. Um, let's talk a bit about the film then, give a bit of an introduction to that. I like the film, it's it's a trilogy. So it's um, short films, they're each about 12 minutes long. The first one is called Dikhaim and the second one is called Opening of the Mouth. The third one is called Light, Light Coming Obscura Understudy. Now, Dikhaim um, starts off with I play a character um, that's set in my culture and the whole film or the whole trilogy is set in this kind of, I want to call it like a dystopian future because the stuff that I want to talk about, I don't want these real world situations involved in those issues because I want to be very clear about what I want to talk about. So I've set it in a completely different world that's parallel to ours, but um, I've, I've taken it back in time, or I should say forward in time, but there isn't so much like European influences in, 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 in Africa and in South Africa. So it's set in a time where apartheid has happened and a lot of years has gone past and there's been an implosion of, of modernity. So people have gone back to like religion and magic and those kinds of, of things. And my character is um, an apprentice shaman who's secretively gay and he's charged with um, defending his people from this dark entity called Kagan, which is like an old Khoisan deity. Or, of calamity and of fear and of ignorance and that stuff. So he can't do his job because he's secretly homosexual and he's, his culture and the ancestors that he worshipped, they frown upon that stuff. So he decides to run away from home and then to kill himself. And then along this path, he meets up with these characters who just kind of like intervene with trying to give him better ideas on reality, not so much based on myth and, and, and people's fears and, and these things. And they force him, him to challenge himself and to find himself and to come back to his people and, and, and say, this is who I am. This is what I'm charged with. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to do my thing. And the film basically is about this journey that he goes on to find this deity called Kagan and solely plays this deity. So that's kind of like what the piece is, is about. And these characters that he meets along the way, I kind of think of them as deities as well, but it's my perception of my philosophical um, ideas on, on truth and reality and morals and those things and afterlife and these issues of sin and how do we decide behavior 
is wrong. So it's kind of like a philosophical discussion on how we come about to say that this is a particular body, this is what this particular body should be doing sexually. And, you know, if it doesn't do that, then there are these really, really dark and really, really real ramifications for individuals who don't fit this mold of being, being normal. So I'm using the story that I've said to have that sort of conversation about these issues. Also, like, I think like as an artist for me to, I shouldn't say an homage, but I want to do work that has to do with my people specifically because the reason why I left is because I don't think we have the voice here. And I don't want to use the word colored um, people. I want to use the word koisan because I think we share a lot of genes with people. And if we can stand together under this identity, it would be better for us because the idea of, of what colored is, it's something that hasn't been explored yet. And I think that's why my people are struggling so much and myself as a gay person in my community. I think the, the koisan community in this country has really been, there's a lot of erasure towards the Khoisan culture. I mean, it's it's the first people of South Africa, but you almost never really hear about Khoisan people. Like it's, I don't know, I, I feel like I haven't heard many stories, you know? Yeah, now, yeah now that's what I'm trying to do. Like I went to school and I don't know why, but I'm, I can't explain why, but I'm linked to these people. I don't know these people. I don't know my ancestors. But ever since I got back from America, my music has changed and it's changed like really emotionally and intuitively. So I still play those instruments, like the Western instruments, like a cello and a piano. I've learned to play them in a very, very different way. So they're very much detuned. I've gotten a lot of inspiration from what I think those people sounded like, yeah, before there were any other influences. So my vocal style has, 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 has changed them. I shouldn't say has changed, it's developed them. It's developed a lot. So I think as an, as an artist coming back home externally and internally has really, really done me very good as a videographer and, and as a singer. So when people hear the music and when people hear the score, I want them to say, oh, this is about those people. It's new stories about those people. It's a gay story about those people. Because if we don't talk about stories in that specific context of, of us, this people, it's going to die. And that's why the culture dies. So I understand myself as a, as a neo-Khoisan gay musician. And in order for me to have a conversation about my identity in relation to the rest of the world, I must talk from it from that specific standpoint. If I don't have all of that information, it is my duty and my job to go and dig that stuff up. Because that's where I can make my best stand. Because without the past, without knowing where you come from, that's absolutely horrible. And that's why I left. So me personally, I didn't want to be a colored person. I didn't want to be a colored musician in South Africa because everyone makes the joke of us. And when I went to the States, people just saw me for what I was. So I think that experience was necessary. But now I want to bring that stuff back to this kind of new idea of, of, of what we could be, not just as colored people or as Khoisan people, but as South Africans. We need to somehow, we need to somehow consolidate with our identities. Otherwise, we're going to burn this place down. So for me, it's not just about a conversation about homosexuality. For me, it's a, it's a conversation about identity specifically in relation to, I think, ethnic groups in, in South Africa. So for me, I'm starting, I'm starting from my personal little corner, but the conversation is much bigger than just homosexuality. It's about people just saying, this is what I am. And what I am has to live where you are and where you live and with who you are as well. And we need to somehow consolidate that. And we aren't the same beings and we aren't the same beings. We have to live together. We need to somehow consolidate those, those things and stop letting all of this hate and confusion and ignorance because it really destroys lives. Like I'm almost 40 years old and I have such a weird relationship with men. Like if, I've only ever dated one specific person. And even for me, so up until this day, I can't relax being romantic with a man. And I know that I'm gay. It's just because of all of these things that people have reinforced in your head at school and at church and at the mobile shop in the corner. And it's very difficult for me as an educated person as a free-thinking person, just to kind of like, almost like kind of shock my brain out of that stuff. If I'm struggling with that kind of stuff, what stuff are other people struggling with that haven't had the exposure that I've had to like different thinking stuff? So that's why I feel it's important that we have these conversations about who we are truly as human beings in relation to who we share our lives with. So we can live with each other better because we understand each other better. And I think if we understand each other better, we will see that we're very much the same thing. 
Did you miss something on Gay Essay Radio? Well, you can always listen to the podcast. Just go to the website, gaysaradio.co.za, click on podcasts, scroll down, and listen to your heart's content. Gay SA Radio, where you are family. So the script for this series of films, how long has that been in production? How long has this kind of been swirling, swirling around in your head? When I got to the detention center, I knew that I was going to be deported. So the reason why I ran away was because I didn't want to deal with being homosexual in South Africa and I didn't deal with my family. They're very good people, but they're very religious. So I started writing in the detention center. Like I had to write. I mean, I was just shocked. I mean, the one minute I was recording in Los Angeles and the next minute I'm in the New Mexican border in a bloody jail, basically. Afraid out of my head, you know, what's going to happen and blah, blah, blah. So I started writing there and it's these songs that I started writing there. So like. The main concept of Dikhaim, just the conversation that I wanted to have with them about my sexuality, that's what started there. So it's a collection of six um, songs, which is attached into the short album called Light. Light, Camera Obscura, Understudy. And then Dikhaim, an opening of the mouth, and the last film, Light, Camera Obscura, Understudy, are short films wherein that music is populated. And, and besides like, like schools and stuff and all that stuff, I started writing in the detention center. And then when I came back home, I didn't have anything. So my mom bought me like a 500 rand guitar and we bought a secondhand computer about a year and a half ago. And slowly but certainly, I downloaded some software, like how to make film, how to edit film, stuff like that. And I couldn't pay people to do the sound. So I'm recording in my dad's car late at night when there's no one outside. So that's how I recorded the whole album and the whole score and all of the audio and all of the dialogue. And the entire film series has been shot on my cell phone, which cost 370 rand. And I'm doing that because I, I want to prove to myself that you don't have an excuse if you're an artist. Your duty as an artist is to do work. Even if you're poor, if you don't have money, even if you're struggling, you have to do work. You are compelled to do work as an artist. If you don't do that, then you're absolutely wasting your time. And if, if you bring that mindfulness to your work, this is what you can generate. This is what you can create. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. This for me has been an experiment on myself to see what I can do with my passion and nothing else. And I'm very, very happy with what's happening here. So. Awesome. I love the era we live in just in terms of technology. You know, um, a, cell phone, yeah. a cell phone and a slightly old computer is like a thousand times better than everything in existence in like, you know, the 60s, Ex- for example. Like it's, we're, we're living in like such an age where, you, as you said, there's no excuse anymore. It's possible to do stuff. You just need to exactly. really want it. Exactly. That's the truth. Yeah. And you'll see once this phone comes out, once the first one comes out and in the trilogy, you can just see the desperation on it. And it's a completely different style. And like, for instance, I didn't have money for makeup or for clothes or for outfits. Now, I couldn't have people wear T-shirts and jeans and stuff because it's a it's a different culture and it's a different frame of, of time. So everything around me, I took like trash bags and pieces of broken foil and old handbooks from school. And we made outfits for that kind of stuff and painted over them. So when you look at this stuff, it looks like a completely different ethnic world. And also the editing and the filtering on it, you won't believe that we did this on a cell phone. I think people will be very shocked just because of what it looks like visually. And that's because of desperation. So uh, I'm excited for people to have a look at that. So speaking of which, when is it coming out and how can people kind of get involved and learn more about it? Yeah, so what I'm doing now is um, we're busy with post-production. So I just have to finish the sound with this one guy and then be mastering the sound. Once the sound is done, which will be today or by tomorrow, I'm uploading it to the site called Seed and Spark. I've done a lot of research on these like streaming sites that allow you to put films on and then people pay if they watch it like the minute like streaming things and Stephen Spark seems to be very independent and the owner is also gay. So they don't just keep um, gay and lesbian stuff, but they do have a preference for those kinds of, of things. And what I do is, is I kind of refer to it as, 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 as very artsy. So it's, it's, 
I don't know what to call it, man. But it's a it's a different genre. So it's a mixture of a musical and and these like really serious conversations. So it's it's we upload it to that site, and then if they accept it, and I think they will accept it because nothing looks like this even really. I don't want to sound but nothing, absolutely nothing looks like and sound like this that, I, that I've seen in my life. So I'm really excited that they are going to accept it, and then people can watch it from there. And then also because there's so much on footage and stuff, I built music videos into these films as well. So even though I can't release the films before the film festival stuff and before the streaming sites, I'm going to start releasing some music videos. So uh, I will release a music video for Jihaim and I will release a music video for the second track called Kill Your Darlings, which is also the second piece. The first, I'm sorry, the second piece, which is called Opening of the Mouth. And I will communicate further on Facebook with when I'm going to do that. So we've been speaking to Q, what's it called? Like, I think Channel O and Q based those places to start airing the music video. This music video. So as soon as that happens, I'll 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 put some stuff up on on Facebook. That's the plan with the release and stuff. And then also again, there's been film festivals in South Africa and internationally as well. I hope they they see it as exciting as 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 we see it and and select it, and then we'll see what happens from there. Perfect. So if somebody wants to follow you on social media, where do they do it? Um, they can find me on Facebook. Um, it's 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 Gershon Adlon Matthews. There's Gershon Matthews, but that's an old page of of mine because I've since changed my my name to my full name with my second name. Included. So it's Gershon Avron Matthews on Facebook. I've got a music page and I've got a personal page and they can add me on any any one of those two. And then also, before I forget, I have to say something about the Pride House of the Triangle Project. Yes. Um, because I've I've lived in very rough situations in the States, not all the time there, but especially towards the end. I've been homeless for like a couple of weeks. So I've slept in the street and under a bridge and I had to steal oranges in these people's yards just to kind of stay alive. And I didn't have money to pay my, call my family in. And tell them what was going on. So after I came back, I have a real appreciation for what it is to be completely destitute because you don't want to completely trust people with your sexuality. And I've met some people in Cape Town who are in a very, who are in a very same situation that I was in, in the States with not having access to like a place to sleep or food or just care or someone to comfort you. So we went to the Triangle Project and we talked to them about the shelter called Pride House and they keep a lot of people or a lot of people live there like temporarily. And again, lesbian people and intersex people who don't have anywhere else to stay. So they give them medical attention and psychological intervention and those things and a place to stay temporarily just to kind of make them feel a bit better and to help them come up with a plan to what, what's going to happen next. So we've decided to sell these pink buckets for the month of February and then also for the rest of, of the year that's connected to the film. And then 10% of every bucket we sell, we will donate to that place. And also we'll donate some of the money that we make off of these films to the Pride Shelter. So that's what the other fundraising campaign um, side is is about. And I really, want to, I really want to do it. I know there's a lot of campaigns out there like that. But as I'm saying to you, I have personal experience of that. And that's a horrible, horrible thing. That's an absolutely horrible thing. And I don't want anyone to go through that experience if they don't have to. If there's something we can do, I mean, and it doesn't cost a lot of money. They don't eat fancy food. They don't use a lot of electricity. It's just like blankets and a little bit of food. And just people to go in there and say, hi, I know what you're going through. Things are going to be better tomorrow. Don't lose yourself. So that's what we would like to do for those, for those guys and those girls living in that place. Perfect. That sounds amazing. Okay, so ready with your family. My name is Ethan. We're chatting to Gershwin Avron Matthews. Don't forget to follow him on social media if you want to get all the updates about the music and the film.